Mania time. It's Dino Mania time with Ranger Chris and all his dinos. Let's go! Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of Dino Mania Prehistoric Pod with me, your host, Ranger Chris. Now, I'm all on my own this week, unfortunately, but it doesn't mean that we're not going to have an amazing podcast because we've got some amazing things coming up in this podcast. And do, can you believe it's episode six already? Episode six. Um, so if you haven't heard any of our previous ones, make sure you head back um, on your podcast provider and check out our previous episodes. But what's coming up in this week's episode, you want to know? Well, we've got Prehistoric Creature of the Week coming up a little bit later. And today's Prehistoric Creature is linked to the Natural History Museum in London. That's right. But before we do that, I'm going to go back in time to a, an amazing interview that we've done with Professor Paul Barrett. Now, Professor Paul Barrett is the head paleontologist in the Natural History Museum in London. So he knows his stuff, and we've done an amazing interview with him last year. So we're going to pop this on right now, and I hope you all enjoy. And look where I am, and look who I'm with. It's Professor Paul Barrett. Say hello, uh, Paul. Hey, everybody. How's it going? So... Boys and girls, everyone who's on, um, we have been privileged to come here and thank you so much for letting us it's come a along um, to the amazing Natural History Museum in London. And um, we go live every week, Paul. We meet an amazing bunch of um, children who absolutely love dinosaurs. Um, and lots of them have actually um, come up with some really good questions cool. that I'd love to ask you. And obviously, you can, you can tell them your answer. So Very let's happy. go. Let's go. So, Paul. Am I right in saying you're a paleontologist? That's exactly what I am. So, can you kind of explain what it, what is what is being a paleontologist? What what exactly is a paleontologist? So, a paleontologist is someone who uses fossils to work out about the life of the past. So, they can be fossils of anything. They can be fossils of shells. They can be fossils of dinosaurs. They can be fossil plants. But using those fossils to actually tell us something about how life has changed yep. over time and what past worlds were like. So from fossils, you can find out loads of information, I take it. Um, can you find out the age of a dinosaur and things like that? You can. You can use those fossils to find out a lot of the same things we'd find out about any living animal or plant. So we could work out how old it was. We could work out what it's feeding on. We might be able to work out how fast it moved or if it didn't move. So we're looking at all the same questions that people who work on living animals or plants think about. It's just that our main source of information is those fossils coming out of the rocks rather than going outside and looking at those things living outside. Yeah. So, so using modern day um, creatures that are around today and looking at their, their bone structures and everything and looking at fossils, you can kind of work out exactly speed. Right. Awesome. That is so cool. Um, so when, you, when people do say, like, what's the fastest dinosaur, we, we've got an answer for it. Yeah, we try. So we use their skeletons to work out how quickly they might have moved. We use looking at the bones. We then clothe those bones in muscles by comparing it with things like crocodiles and lizards and birds. And then we can use that information to think about how well those muscles worked. And eventually we get to speed. Oh, see, it's, it's so awesome. This is why fossils are so important. This is why when I show you some of our fossils or replicas um, and you ask me so many questions, um, we kind of we kind of know the answers and it's, it's really mind blowing. OK, on to question number two. So being a paleontologist, Paul, um, what, what kind of got you into it? What, what sort of spurred you on into being a paleontologist? I mean, for me, it was dinosaurs, always dinosaurs to start with. But I'm interested in all sorts of other things as well. But this goes back to when I was about six years old. 
So my mum, who's not a very good source of information about me, said that this goes back to when I was a tiny kid and she bought me the Lazy Bird Book of Dinosaurs. And I've still got that book somewhere, not here in the office, but it's at home. <laughs> and actually, that was the book apparently that got me really hooked. And so from that point, it was more books about dinosaurs from the local library. It was visiting here because I grew up just outside London. So coming to visit the museum was yeah. something as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everything I could find on TV that was about dinosaurs, dinosaur toys. As you can see, there are probably quite a lot of dinosaur toys. This place is well. awesome. It's a, it's a trove. I like it. I like it a lot. So yeah, yeah for me it was that. And it's, it's because they're kind of a detective story. So if I want to know what a living animal does, if I was really patient and really good at my job, I could just go outside, spend a lot of time looking at it and solve that problem just by watching. But with dinosaurs, they've been extinct a long time. So you have to like fill in the gaps. So yeah, it's a yeah. bit like being a little bit like Sherlock Holmes. You know, you have to take these clues and use them to try and work out what they were like. And that problem solving bit, plus the fact they were really cool animals is what really attracts Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. So it's like uh, the mystery of them. But yeah, yeah. The, so when you opened, opened that book, um, what sort of dinosaur... Um, what what one made you look and go whoa? You know, how oh, well, when I was a kid, yeah, my yeah, yeah. When you were a kid, my favourite dinosaur, without doubt, was Triceratops. I used to love Triceratops. Oh, good choice, and very so good choice. Really, I still have a very soft spot for it. But when I was a kid, that was by far my favourite one. And I think it was because it looked sort of like a unicorn. So it looked a little <laughs> bit like a kind of mythological animal thing yeah. from the legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also looked a bit like it should look really good, like on a shield or something. If you imagine like a medieval knight riding around, it's the sort of animal you want I like it. on yeah. your shield or your suit Like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Exactly. I like, so like, <laughs> Triceratops. I like that. Unbelievably no. powerful animal. I like that. So we go live weekly, Paul, um, and we got lots of viewers that come on. And, and one of our top viewers, Rexy Rex, that's his name, um, on YouTube, he's asked you, um, what? Um, is the oldest fossil that's in the museum? Oh my goodness, that's a. Really and I think he's, I think he's going down the dinosaur route. Okay, here. so that's sort of, you know, we're gonna. That makes, be, yeah, that makes my life a lot easier. <laughs> we're thinking about the oldest fossil we're talking about. Stuff yes, I get that. I get that. Billion years old. Um, so the oldest dinosaur fossil we've got is probably a thing called Nyatasaurus. And Nyatasaurus okay. is not a very well-known dinosaur. It's only been named for a few years. Uh -huh. And it's also not very well-known in the sense that we don't know a lot about its skeleton. It's known from only a handful of bones, okay. one upper arm bone, and a few bones from the back and the hips. And we think that this might be the earliest dinosaur fossil we know about. It's about 240 Nyasasaurus. million years Nyatasaurus. So Triassic. Triassic, but from okay. the middle part of the Triassic. So uh -huh. older than more familiar Triassic dinosaurs like Platysaurus, things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I get so, that. So it's about 240 million years old. And okay. this would be the if that's true, it would make it the oldest dinosaur that we know about at the moment. I like it. I like it. So yeah, that's that's so uh, early Triassic, no dinosaurs then. No that we know of. So as as of Not yet. even any that people have said. No, yeah, yeah. So so mid mid oh, awesome. Very cool. Okay, Rexy Rex has got another question. And the other question was, um, you've got the new Patago Titan um, exhibit. Um, and I know you say it a little bit differently to me, <laughs> but I've always said Patago Titan. But um, so what, what was it like first seeing that, you know, up close and personal? Oh, it's just amazing. I think the thing, I've seen a lot of dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen a lot of big dinosaurs. And it's kind of, oh, it's just going to be another big dinosaur. But this is a really big dinosaur. And I think you really only get it when you stand underneath it. Okay. So it's huge and it's impressive just when you first see it. It's 37 metres long. So it's 12 metres long than, than dip. So it's huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's when you stand underneath it and you realise how 
big its stomach and its chest was. You, know, you can spread your arms like this and still not reach you either stand side inside of the it. So yeah, I think actually is... you could probably have live inside it if you wanted yeah. to. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. really big space, and or... when you're standing it, looking up, you set the, this real impression of just how enormous it is. Or they could have lunch in it. You could, like they did in that. Um, what was it? Um, the model of the, the model of the iguanodon. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, could probably fit more people in a tag titan, so you can have more friends with <laughs> that. That's actually quite good. I like that. Yeah, a big party. A big one. Um, and talking of um, the biggest dinosaur. Now, they're saying this is one of the biggest. Um, and I know in paleontology, the biggest is kind of sometimes you surprise. Know, a, yeah. a surprise, yeah. But do you think um, that that's as big as they could get? Or do you think that they would get bigger? Now, this is from one of our our good uh, rangers, Ranger Andy, actually. Um, so what do you think? No, I think that's a really good question. So I think we're getting close to the biggest an animal living on land can be. So in this case, we've got an animal that weighs nearly 60 tonnes. Uh -huh. And there are some other dinosaurs out there that other people have suggested might be even bigger, like Argentinosaurus, which okay. some people have suggested might weigh 70 or 80 tonnes. Yes, yeah. But we're not so sure about really how much they weighed because we only have a couple of bones of Argentinosaurus. Mm -hmm. But I think we're not going to start seeing dinosaurs that weigh like 120, 140 tonnes. That's roughly what a blue whale weighs, yes. which is the largest animal that's ever lived. And of course, that was in water, so... It does, so it just bobs yeah, about. Course, doesn't of course, doesn't hold itself up. So realistically, it's possibly the biggest. We're near to, I think, yeah. the limit of okay. how big a dinosaur could get with something like Patagotitan. Okay, well, we're going to be putting some um, pictures and videos up of uh, Patagotitan. And what, how do you say it? Patagotitan. Patagotitan. Either yeah. way works. Yes, I get it. Potato, potato and all that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, we, yeah, so we're going to take a few pictures and we'll show you some of them um, on the next live. So um, excellent. On to the next question. Next question. Um, now, this is a question asked by a few of our, our followers, Amelia and Daisy. Um, now, both of them really want to become paleontologists when they're older. We hear that a lot in children. Mm. Um, what does it take to actually become a paleontologist? What sort of route would you, would you sort of guide them down um, or any advice you could give them? Well, the first thing to remember is that if you go out and you find fossils, you're being a paleontologist. So you don't actually need to go out and get a degree or get a job. If you're really interested in it, you can just go out and find them. You don't need big, expensive, fancy labs or equipment. You just need good eyes and patience and a bit of luck. Yeah. And just doing that, you might find something that no one's ever seen before. And just by doing that, you're adding to what we know about life of the past. So that's one route of doing it. And a lot of people just do it for fun. Yes, yeah, totally. I get that, um, myself included. I literally... Um, I born and I, I just love dinosaurs. I love prehistoric life in general, um, and I've never been able to sort of go down the path of of um, sort of becoming a paleontologist like yourself. Uh, but just just knowing about them and passing it on to to the children like we do now. Um, honestly, um, I love that answer. It was a lovely answer. Thank you so much. So um, Effie. Um, was also um, one of our amazing followers. Her, her dad, Tom, um, sent us in a, another one of the, the questions. But um, Effie wants to know, um, if you want to make a career out of it, for instance, um, not just a hobby and not just an interest, but an actual career, you know, and, and, and make money and travel the world and, and go on digs and things. How, how, how do you go about doing that? Sure. So if you want to do it as a job, and I yes. warn you, it doesn't pay all that much. <laughs> so other alternative careers are available. <laughs> but if you want to do it as a job, there are a couple of routes to take. Okay. So one route is to work in a museum. So you might want to be one of the people that looks after the collections of dinosaurs, that helps with exhibits, that helps with displays and mm -hmm. things like that. And that route would involve probably doing a degree. So you'd need to do a degree in either biology 
okay. or geology, something that tells you either about the history of the Earth or animals. Okay. Because yeah, they're yeah. both kind of important things to know about to work on this. The other thing you might want to do is a, mu a degree in museum studies so that you know how museums work and how you build exhibitions, how you look after things. So any one of those three things could propel you towards a career in curation, looking after the fossils. Then another route you could take is the route that I took, which is a route that becoming a researcher. So that's someone that uses the fossils okay. to find out more about dinosaurs and how they lived and all those kinds of questions about their biology and their behaviour. Yeah. And that starts off in a similar way, also need a degree yes. in geology or biology. But then we might need to go that one step further. So, for example, I had to do a PhD. So I did another degree after that okay. where I just studied one particular problem to do with dinosaurs. And then after that point, I had enough qualifications to start applying for a job to be a dinosaur paleontologist. So it takes quite a long time. So usually at least one degree... So yes. three or four years before you stand a chance of getting that job, often two, so maybe seven or eight years of training okay. to get to that job. But then once you're in it, you have those qualifications and then a lot of luck is involved because there aren't many jobs for dinosaur people, unfortunately. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. So you need a little bit of luck that the right job comes up that you want to do in the right place at the right time. Okay. But um, it, there are opportunities out there. Okay. And obviously you might want to do any of those things for fun as well. You of might course, want to yeah, do, yeah. do a degree in those subjects because you love them. And then you end up doing another career instead at the end of it. So basically, Effie, uh, Lily, Daisy, whoever's watching, Amelia as well, um, whoever's watching um, now, work hard in school, right? That's basically Yeah, the story. work hard in school. Um, and um, if you haven't got that ability, do not worry because you can just do it for fun. Um, you can. Just like myself. I and do people it doing it for fun actually find new things and they actually make a big impact too. So you don't Perfect. need yeah, to be yeah. there in college and writing yeah. scientific papers to make a difference. You can just be Yeah, so if things don't fossils. go the right way, you can still do it. I like that. I do like right that. Right then, Thank let's have very... a little bit of fun then, Paul. Um, dinosaurs, they're all very cool. What's your favourite one? So my favourite one now, I told you earlier, let's try to start off yeah. my favourite one as a kid. When you were a kid. But now I've learned more about dinosaurs, seen more dinosaurs. So now it's a fairly obscure little dinosaur called Heterodontosaurus. Okay. So, and that's probably my favourite dinosaur. At okay. The yeah. So, um, um, I know a little bit about this one. Not a lot, a little bit. Don is tooth. Yeah. So, um, this is the one with the lots of different teeth, right? That's right. Yeah. So, because so, we're heterodont ourselves, aren't we? We are, because we have... Because we're different teeth. So, teeth at the front. Yeah. So, heterodont, teeth different, different teeth. Reptile. Rep there you go. So, why is that your favourite? So, it's because it's cute. There's no really good reason for it. It's a small cute. dinosaur. So if it. you've ever seen those little kind of deer that live in the forest, it's kind of like a dinosaur version of that. These are little herbivores that would have been um, only a metre or so long, okay. running around, uh, okay. nipping at plant food. And I think they just, and they have little cute faces. That's so why I like them. you like a little cute one. Yeah. I like that. Easier to look after. Very much well. so. So a T-Rex, probably not the best Definitely one to lead. Definitely not a T-Rex. No. And yeah, a bit aggressive. Yeah. Well, maybe. you're constantly pushing like. <laughs> okay, no, I like that answer. I like. Okay, let's 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 just change it a little bit. So that was one of your that was your favourite dinosaur. But let's just have a bit of fun. If you had to have one as a pet, and I mean now, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the king of the dinosaurs, the T Rex, or a huge Brontosaurus, a pet. What, what pet dinosaur would you have? It'd be a similar answer, actually. I just like the small feet dinosaurs. So I might it's go wise. for one called Hypsilophodon, which is from the Isle of Wight. You like teeth? Yeah, I like, well, I like ones Don. with names after teeth. Okay, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. 
you don't, you're not partial to a tooth, but um, you like, so yeah, don, so iguanodon tooth. Yeah. But what's this one? Hips so hypsilophodon means high ridged tooth. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's from the Isle of Wight. So it's kind of local, local. British dinosaur. Again, not very big, a couple of meters long. Yeah. Plant eater. And this was the first dinosaur I ever worked on. When oh, I was a student, okay. so I have a soft okay. spot yeah, yeah. for Hypsilophodon because it was the first thing I worked on when I was a student. So I have a, a kind of attachment to it. So for that reason, I think it'd be quite loyal. I think it'd make quite a good pet. Yeah. Yes. I like, and I like you've got an attachment to it. So yeah, that was that was nice. Okay. So you like small dinosaurs? Yeah, like they're much easier much to work on. <laughs> much easier to less mess to clean I up. used to work on really heavy dinosaurs <laughs> when I was younger, but as I've got older, I've realised it's better to work on small ones so I can sit at desk. Have you ever found a dinosaur bone in the in the field? I have, yes, a number Ooh. of times. Yes. What, what so, have you found? So probably the first dinosaur bone I found was actually here in the UK. It was in Scotland. Okay. Oh, Scotland. Uh, I found okay. a dinosaur tooth uh, oh. on the Isle of Skye. And we don't get that many dinosaur no. fossils in Scotland. That's why I just said, oh, Scotland. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. There aren't so many. So I was really pleased to find that. That was a good find. And that tooth lives in Museum in Edinburgh. Oh, um, so nice. yeah, so that nice. was probably my first one. And since then, uh, not so many in the UK, actually, because I've just not been very lucky here. Uh, but I do a lot of fossil collecting in South Africa and okay. Zimbabwe, which okay. are places that I go to do my research work. Yeah. And while I've been there, I've been lucky enough to find a bunch of dinosaur bones. That is so cool. That is so cool. So is, is South Africa... Um, uh, a good place for dinosaur bones? It is. So they have dinosaurs of different ages from the ones we have here. So okay, in the yeah. UK... Most of our dinosaurs are famous ones like Iguanodon, are early Cretaceous in age. Yes, yeah. The ones that I study in South Africa are quite a lot older. They're from either the Triassic or from the early part of the Jurassic, okay. so much earlier dinosaurs. Okay, very cool. This next question, the final question, um, is from one of our uh, amazing rangers, Ranger Tom. Now, um, th there's a lot of talk, especially in the news, of bringing back prehistoric creatures. You know, I, I've heard of one of um, the woolly mammoth, for instance, mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, what do you think of that? And do you think it's a good idea? Do you think um, there's any scope? Do you think it's going to happen in the, in the future? I think a lot of people have been talking about it. So this is particularly for animals that died out not that long ago, like mm -hmm. within the last ice ages. So tens of thousands of years rather than millions and millions of years. Yes. And there's been a lot of talk about resurrecting mammoths and also about some more recently extinct animals that we know that humans wiped out. So okay. some birds, for example, that humans hunted to extinction only 100 or 200 years ago. Okay. So I think in lots of cases... It's not the best idea. And the reason I think it's not a good idea is because although those animals have become extinct, many of them became extinct because of natural processes. So things like mammoths probably died out not so much because of humans, but because of the world warming up and the places that okay. they had to yeah, live yeah, yeah. disappearing. So you have to think, where would we put the mammoths back to? Is there a suitable habitat for them where they'd be comfortable and they'd find the right yeah. kinds of things to eat? So the fauna and stuff is exactly. correct. Exactly. So it yeah, 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 yeah. fit back into where it came from. And I think the world might have changed a bit too much to bring things like mammoths back. But yeah. I think there's an interesting case for things that humans have definitely made extinct by hunting them, okay. where they've yeah. only been extinct for maybe 50 or 100 years, where they could slot back in. Okay. So there are a few things that I think it actually might be a nice idea to try and things back. And also a really good way, hopefully, of stopping things that are almost extinct yes. from yeah, becoming yeah. extinct. So yeah. there might be a few animals that are just holding on there with a few of them. Yeah. And if we can find a way of helping them make other ones, then that might be a really good way of bringing those uh, animals back from the brink of extinction. So okay. I think that's, it's the same kind of technology. And so we could do that. And this is why we come to speak to the experts. No, it's true because, um, you know, in, in my head, sometimes I'm saying, no, it's a bad idea, just a bad idea in general. 
So it's, to me, it's like a no. But now you've, you've sort of explained that, yeah, we could. But I definitely think it would be a bad idea to bring For... a velociraptor or two next <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I'm with you on that one. Um, and yes, um, you know, uh, everything's... <laughs> A yeah, big T-Rex walking in right now. Wouldn't yeah, be a good idea. Right now. You're right. So um, do you know what? I've had an amazing time coming here today, um, seeing you again. Um, and um, can we just say a huge thank you to Paul? Paul, it's been an it's absolute been pleasure. pleasure. Thank you so much for um, letting us speak to you today. And I hope we got some of the questions that you guys wanted. Um, so from Paul and myself, thank you so much, guys. Bye, everyone. Uh, bye, everyone. Well, wasn't that an amazing interview with Professor Paul Barrett from the Natural History Museum? Do you know what? We go some amazing places. But right now, guys, we're going to head on to the last segment of the podcast. It is the Prehistoric Creature of the Week. So here we go, the last segment. We're doing Prehistoric Creature of the Week. And this week's Prehistoric Creature is a terrible lizard again. It is a dinosaur. Um, not so terrible, this one, to be fair. This is Dippy the Diplodocus, or just the Diplodocus. We're going to focus on this amazing dinosaur that was made famous by the Natural History Museum in London. I'm not sure if any of you have ever been to see Dippy okay, the, the Diplodocus there at the Natural History Museum. It used to be centre um, as you walked into that magnificent hall. Um, it's been replaced now with the large whale that's there. Um, I'm not sure which is better, to be fair. Um, I'm going to still say Dippy should return. But let's talk about the Diplodocus. So, the Diplodocus, actually, when you translate the word Diplodocus, it actually translates into double beam. Yeah, bit weird, but it's more to do with the, the double row of vertebrae that's right the way down that long back, right the way to the tail. Um, so that's kind of where it gets its name from. And the Diplodocus lived in North America, or what we now call North America anyway, towards the end of the Jurassic period. The Jurassic period was known for those large, long-necked dinosaurs, and the special word we're going to give them today is sauropods. Um, that's kind of the name given to all of those long-necked dinosaurs. So the Diplodocus being a long-necked dinosaur um, didn't mean it just had that long neck. It actually had a very, very long tail. In fact, probably the longest tail of any creature that's ever lived. How cool is that? Um, the whole dinosaur would, well, it could reach up to 30 meters. That's like 96 to 100 foot in length. That's crazy, right? Up to sort of 16 tons. It was a huge dinosaur. Now, what was that tail used for? Now, there's, there's sort of uh, scientific estimates that that tail could be used as a whip. Now, would it make that huge Indiana Jones noise? And uh, maybe, in fact, it was very, very long, which meant it was probably used for um, some defensive purposes. Um, I'm not sure what dinosaur would try to eat this one, though, being so big. The Diplodocus, possibly one of the most famous uh, sauropods of all time, that and the Brachiosaurus anyway. But both of those dinosaurs, of course, had a diet of plants. It was a herbivorous dinosaur. The, uh, the Diplodocus actually had a row of peg-like teeth at the front of its mouth, okay? It was more to do with um, using it a bit like a rake. It could rake those leaves straight into its mouth, swallow them whole, didn't need to chew them, um, and then they would go into its huge stomach. 
Um, it would eat little things like stones um, to help digest because it was in their stomach for so long. It took so long to digest, it needed a little bit of help. So these small stones, otherwise known as gastroliths, would be um, eaten up and it would help churn that uh, mulch up. Uh, oh, can you imagine? Can you imagine how much it would mulch up inside the stomach? And it would be in there for so long, fermenting. Um, I would not like to smell that one. <laughs> Another cool fact about this cool dinosaur was those teeth. It actually replaced its teeth every single month. How cool is that? So every month they would have new teeth. Um, eating plants was quite uh, abrasive to the teeth. So it needed to do this um, to sort of grab onto more and more of those amazing sort of ferns and conifers that were around during the Jurassic period. So there's a few facts about the Diplodocus or Diplodocus. It depends how you want to say it. The double beam from the Jurassic period. And I hope you enjoyed this week's prehistoric creature of the week. In fact, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, we're going to be back next week with an amazing interview with another one of our rangers. We're going to have Ranger Tom um, on the show. And he's going to be chatting about how he became a ranger. And some of his favourite things about working for Dinomania. So that brings us to the end of today's podcast and this week's podcast, in fact. And we'll be back next week. Now, don't forget to tune into our previous podcasts. Please show your support by giving us a five-star rating. I hope you enjoyed it that much anyway. Um, on the podcast reviews. Um, and we'll see you again next time. It's Dinomania time. It's Dinomania.